Uh, if you've ever thought about recording a podcast, Anchor is the best way to do that. We use that for Boats and Does here. Uh, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. Uh, Anchor has the tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or on your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on all the listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. So if you've ever thought about it, download the Anchor app and go or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the Boats and Does podcast. This is Ben. I got Brandon here and a friend of the podcast, Andrew, with uh, Othala Rodworks. Yeah, we're missing Tyler, two podcasts, you know. Um, he had He had some family stuff to do, but... Long story short, we're continuing on. Yeah. So um, this is a topic that I don't know very much about at all. Um, it's in the bass world. Um, <clears throat> I, I've never really gotten into it. Uh, so other than it's like in a, the trophy bass world. Trophy bass starting world. Starting out. Now it's okay. gotten kind of away from that, but originally it was to catch the biggest fish in the lake. Okay. Um, and then it's swim baits. Yeah, swim baits. I so, can say I've never used one. Okay, so Andrew, first of all, um, you're more experienced in the swim bait world than I am. I've had a little experience, but um, what are the different types of swim baits? I mean, basically, it breaks down to hard and soft. Um, yeah, so we got we got a split at the top, yep. right, and then soft splits into what two? Yeah, so then from those two on the soft side, you look at there's basically paddle tails, and then there's like the uh, the wedge tails. So you look at like um, Huddleston. Yeah, or... Huddleston would be that wedge tail design. There's not much out there because you know HUD has a patent on that one. And then the boot tail would be like you know your your mag draft. I think that's the one that pretty much everyone knows these days. But that's the classic boot tail swim bait that's yeah. been around since you know probably the late '80s when Worm King started making those things on the West Coast. Yeah, so then in hard baits, I kind of personally differentiate it two ways, right? I go from, we go soft baits two ways, we go hard baits two ways. So I say swimmers and glide baits. Would you agree? Yeah, and you could also throw in large one-piece walking baits as well if you wanted to, but generally speaking, yeah. So you'd have glide baits, you know, your single joint, your depth's 250, uh, your regular glide eater, that was one of the original ones any number of them out there, Piz. Um, on the other side, your multi-piece, you know, uh, Triple Trout, that's heart and soul for me. Good friend of the guy that owns the Triple Trout. That's one of the original. That's actually... I love the Triple Trout. That's one of the original hard swim baits on the market. That was a true... It wasn't somebody that, you know, made one one day, and that was kind of, you know, Scott was... He was in that scene long, long, long before everybody, and I'm very privileged to call the guy a friend. And I if love, you order a bait from him, like... You get a bunch of um, kid stickers. Yeah, so you get your <laughs> you get your swim bait, and it's in a plastic clamshell package, and it's got a bunch of unicorn stickers and rainbow stickers, and yeah. sometimes I think there's some Hello Kitty stickers yeah, on there because Scott does have some Japanese influence. I love that guy to death. He's super weird, but I absolutely love him. He's a super good guy. Um, yeah, and then like one of um, my personal favorites is a Georgia boy, so he's an East Coast boy, which in the um, – and the swim bait scene is not necessarily normal. Um, we have kind of, I would say, two major players on the East Coast originally. Now I think 
OD rats moved out here, right? Yeah, so OD was originally started by one of my best friends, um, a guy named Whitney. Uh, I grew up fishing with him, and he made he started OD around 2010, and he, he ran that for a while, and then he decided that he was completely burned out on the uh, the bass scene and kind of said, screw all this, left California, moved to Montana, and just fly fish for a long time, worked for Sims. Um, Sounds like what you're going through right now. A little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little burnout. Um, so he decided to sell it to another dude, um, a guy named Mario DeSouza, um, who's originally from Connecticut. He moved down here last year to uh, South Carolina, and Mario comes from the automotive paint world, and his attention to detail when it comes to painting is just unreal. Um, yeah, no, I think I think the paint has definitely stepped up a game on the OD rats. Oh, I mean, it's a, it's it, up a level. It's nothing against Whitney, but Mario's fit and finish. You look at his stuff, and it's yeah, it's something you have to hold in person to appreciate. And it's just it's unreal. It's yeah. it's yeah. hard to believe. He's he's painting a few other swim baits for me right now, and I can't wait to get them because they're just they're I know they're going to be immaculate. Yeah, and I think so. For me, I always have a bull shad in the box. And that's a, that's an East Coast thing because it's very localized to the Southeast where I grew up fishing. Um, I actually caught my first California swimbait fish when I lived out there on a bullshad, on a seven-inch bullshad. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, it, it looks like a shad. They eat shad everywhere yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, And a bullshad is not a pretty, like, it's not a highly sought after. You can get them anywhere. Any tackle shop around here is pretty cheap. Them relatively cheap for the swim bait yeah world, they're you know? readily available that's one of the big things about them they, they're cheap they get bit um, now the new series he started um yeah he, the hd series those are uh those are another level those are ultra ultra clean so he's doing that with uh, his swimmers and his glides and they're just they're gorgeous so yeah. average cost of a swim bait you, you, average, you brought up you've brought average, up average cost that's oh man i mean that's a you can go from you can go from 15 dollars and that's probably low. That's yeah. that's that's really low. Mag draft, S waiver, shine glides. Yeah, you're looking at fifteen to thirty dollar range. But I mean, are they worth anything? They I, catch they fish. All catch fish. That's the they thing. That's fish. that's one thing that kind of bugs me is so many new guys get into it and they think they need to have the latest and greatest. When in reality, they should have just picked up a shine glider, a S waiver, whatever for man, twenty bucks, and they would have caught more man, fish. I've, I've smacked fish on an S waiver. I've smacked fish on a shine glide. I've smacked fish on a Huddleston. A Huddleston's a big Huddleston's thirty eight bucks. Um, the sixty eight's like thirty two dollars, I think. Last yeah, time I, mean, I they looked, used, and they used to be twenty. Yeah, and so you don't want to fish these around a lot of trees. Well, no, that's the thing about <laughs> it is like the guys that get into this, like most most of the forms you look at swim bait fishing, they're talking about two and three hundred dollar lures, and they're hard to get, and they're really hard to get. So they're scared to throw these things in cover. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you give a guy a fifteen dollar bait, he's like, yeah, that's expensive. I'll risk it for the biscuit, right? Yep. yep. And that's when they get bit. Okay. Yep. I mean, you got to remember bass or ambush predators. You know, they're yeah, they're gonna be out in the open at times, but you need to put that bait where they're they're gonna ambush it. So right. that means putting it near that lay down, putting it near that dock, and putting it around those rocks, that tree, whatever. I mean, it's you got to do that. And I think Mike Gilbert for Glass Zero said it best is I think it was something like you know as soon as you buy it, you got to consider it lost. Yeah, yeah. I mean yep. that seems legit to me because <laughs> man, that'd be. I'd be terrified to be throwing a three hundred. I'll tell you what, I, somewhere though, <laughs> I lost so. In two casts, I lost a JDM Depths. Okay. With that, like, pink, um, you know the color I'm talking about. It's like, 
pink undertone with the like uh, silver sides. Yeah, the silver yeah. sides. I lost one of those JDM. I ordered it off eBay. Paid way too much for it. I lost one of those, and then I lost a Piz the next cast. Yeah, that'll hurt, especially considering where Piz is at now. You yeah, know, I, mean, I mean, back then, though. Like, yeah, back then you could find them, but, you know, the dudes, I, another good friend of mine, I used to fish them back in California, and it's awesome seeing where he is now. You know, you used to get whatever you wanted from him, and now it's like. I mean, he sent baits to me in Korea. Because yeah. I was like ordering baits. I'd bought my first boat while I was over there. I mean, that dude shows up to a show now with X amount of baits, and he's walking away with uh, quite a bit of cash. It's pretty crazy, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I he was... sold out. Like, Did you first... catch any fish that day that you lost those two lures? No, dude. We were pre-fishing <laughs> for the big bass. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just got to consider them lost, yeah. like I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, two casts, and um, it was over. And I, lo- I love that depth because nobody had it, and everybody – Anytime anybody looked in my swim bait box, they were like, ooh, what is that color? And I'm like, good luck getting it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when did when and why did you start throwing swim baits? Uh, that'd be the original the original Odie Rack guy, Whitney. Um, me and him started fishing when, you know, I think Wit's four or five years older than me, and I met him at the local lake I lived on uh, back in 2001. And uh, we just started fishing together and – at some point, he got a swim bait, and I thought it was just the coolest thing ever, and it kind of went from there. I can storm the very first swim bait fish I caught. I had some weird ass. So go ahead and talk about that, because that's on my list. Is The first your, one. Your first, your first swim bait fish. Yeah, so uh, I bought I – don't, I don't think it's around anymore. It was some probably a Chinese company. <laughs> Might have been a Chinese company advertised as a Japanese company, because we all love the Japanese stuff, but not the Chinese stuff. But anyways, it was called a Parmu. And it was some just six inch, six or seven inch trout colored paddle tail. And uh, I was at the local lake I was living on. My mom still lives there. And uh, I had a great day throwing a worm and saw some bigger fish and pulled that out of my backpack, tied it on. I saw like a five or six pound fish and pitched it in front of it. And the thing didn't even, the thing before it could even hit the bottom in like three feet of water, the fish ate it. And I was just like, wow. And that was, that was kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my first one, I was. Um, so when I moved out to California, they were in a huge drought, like ginormous drought. Um, most of the lakes around me, there was two that I could put my boat in. So my buddy, Nong, he, he was my tournament partner out there and he says, Hey man, let's go to Margarita. He said, you've never been. And I'm like, okay. He said, we're going to fish from the bank cause I can't put a boat in. I said, that sounds great. Uh, so we go to Margarita and like I roll up to this point, I jump up on this, there's like a tree that's cut down and I jump up on this like three foot stump so I could cast a little bit further and get to this point. And it's like textbook swim bait, like ambush point. And I make the first cast successfully. I'd cast it three times at this point and not made the cast. Right. And that's what swim bait fishing is. It's all about the cast. You put it in the right place. And if the fish is there, he's going to eat. And I throw this bull shad, catch a seven-pounder in California off the bank. I'm standing up on a three-foot stump, mind you. <laughs> so when I set the hook, I'm about to fall off of this thing. I'm screaming and yelling like a little girl. Yeah. Like, I sound like a sorority girl, just like, <laughs> you know. And that was my first swim bait fish. 
Um, I'd raise fish on Nasimeno. I'd raise fish plenty of other places, but that was my first like set the hook fish. And it, I mean, I fish swim baits. Most times I go out, I have a big swim bait tied on. If for nothing else, then just you know, yeah, it's like just the chance, see what happens. The chance of yeah. a big one. So going back to you said the cast. Do do they usually hit swim baits? When they're sinking, like your first one, Andrew. No, that was just a, that was a just, fluke. Just luck. I mean, it it, it can happen. You, it does you know, happen, but you know how you fish for brown trout specifically, yeah. right? Like brown trout sit in ambush points. Mm-hmm. They sit behind logs, waiting on stuff to come to them. Bass are no different. They're lazy, yeah. right? So they sit on the edge of points. They sit on the edge of docks, and if you if you run it by like swim bait fishing is all about angles. You know what I mean? Like it's, and Andrew's done it a lot more than I have. He, you know, that's, that's what I take from swim bait fishing. Like I can go into a pocket swim bait fishing and I can cover the pocket and like say a pocket's got 10 docks on it. I make three casts per dock, right? Okay. I come down the front side. I come at an angle off the corner. I come at an angle off the other corner. I'm pretty much done. Yeah. Right. Like that's how you swim. If they're gonna fish. be there, they're gonna be there. If they're gonna yep. be there and they want to eat, they're yep. gonna come out and get this thing. It has drawing power. Okay. Is what is what swim bait guys talk about. Yeah, and that's one thing where it's really starting to fit into tournament fishing too. And you'll appreciate this more than most would. Brandon is, you know, guys, you're seeing more and more, and you're watching, you know, the elite series or MLF guys are throwing a swim bait. And it's not always to actually catch a fish. Sometimes it's, hey, this brush pile's good, and I see a fish on live target that I really want to draw out. I want to yeah. see this fish, and that's how you see it: is you throw that big swim bait and draw the fish, and okay. you go back with a jig or a worm, and you catch that fish or try nice. to. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, ideally, swim bait fishing, you keep like a cinco or something like an easy meal. Yep. On the deck, red. Just get them, get them excited. No, you just draw them in so yeah. you can see them, and you just drop that thing on their head and just let it sit in front of their <laughs> face, and then they. I'm not going to say, like ratios wise, it probably works. 60% of the time all the time yeah i mean it works a lot <laughs> i don't want to no. i don't want to be overzealous on my my estimates but no like, i mean I, I got a perfect example of that i was so before you know glide baits really as a swim bait started around 2011 or so as far as the single joint glides and me and whitney were on a a lake in california called irvine lake and he worked there and i was throwing a glide bait and this is before before swim baiting really got really big and before everybody had a glide bait and you know, this lake was your typical California lake, steep banks, 20 foot of visibility. And I was, you know, we roll up these points and I'd throw that fire, that glide bait out and have 15, 20 fish follow that stupid thing. None of them would bite. Well, Whitney's sitting there with a freaking spinning rod and four pound line and a six and a, you know, a four inch grub or something. And he's like, that one looks good. And like fires the grub at like one fish and eats. I'm just like, all right, cool. No, I used to, when I was on Nasimeno, so like a lake in Central California, I used to pre-fish with a HUD 68. I would just fire it because the rock banks were so steep there. I would just fire it down the rock banks and look at the quality of the fish because they would swim all the way back to the boat. So I could sit there and watch them and I'm like, okay, we don't need to fish this. It's, it's got a bunch of one pounders. They would... I'm not going to say rarely eat it, but like my pre-fishing days, I could go out there with a Huddleston and I could like figure out like the areas and we fished a season 
in a club that was a bunch of locals. We didn't finish below third. So obviously what I was doing was working. Um, on tournament day, I rarely picked up a swim bait. Right. Because you knew where the fish were. Yeah, I could I could really sit down on the good fish and grind them. Mm-hmm. But they have drawing power. Like every okay. fish within a half mile comes up to the boat. It's ridiculous. So what's your favorite swim bait you own? Um, from a nostalgic standpoint, I got a few baits. Um, I have two triple trout. One of them was built in probably 2003, so that thing's older than half the kids that are throwing a swim bait these days. Um, and it even looks a little different. It's been, it's caught a ton of fish. It's kind of, kind of messed up looking. It's been repaired by Scott a few times. It's got a bunch of epoxy on it where it was put back together in one of the joints. Um, I mean, hell, that bait's closing on 20 years old it's pretty awesome to have that um the other one was the first 10 inch triple trout i got and that came from whitney when he used to work for scott a triple trout and that was my graduation present it was this weird kind of silvery color it's caught a ton of fish just great bait um and then another one would be uh the the second rat that whitney ever made when he started od it says oh one on it because whitney's first rat said zero zero mine said oh one and that thing's caught a, I don't know, it's probably caught a hundred fish. It's been, you know, spray painted like 16 times. Uh, <laughs> the bill's been, he, he put a carbon fiber lip in the thing and that thing's been knocked out like four or five times and been glued back in. So um, that one's a shelf queen now, but it's, it's just, you know, a cool bait to have. Yeah. I think my favorite is back when uh, Piz was kind of starting out. I ordered a Piz bait from him. And he doesn't even make the lure anymore, but I still have it. And it's called a runt. He called it a pond fishing bait when I bought it from him. Um, but it's it's kind of a knockoff triple trout. Not not trying to, you know, triple trout was the first three-jointed bait. Um, Piz made this runt, and I think he made a bigger one. I don't remember what it was called. But um, back then it looked very triple trout-esque. It was a little wider than a triple trout. Um but it swam a lot like a triple trout. So, um, yeah, triple trout is a trout pattern. I'm uh, assuming. I mean, it's just kind of a generic bait fish shape with uh, three pieces, so two joints. Okay. Yeah, he I just mean, named it triple trout. Because yeah, because I mean that was the original rhymes. pattern. Was it was <laughs> it was trout? You know, okay. it was bait built for uh, the SoCal you know bass that were eating trout that were planted. So okay. Um, yeah. It's one so of the originals. So for a rod builder which we have discussed on the previous podcast we had you on. Um, what is your favorite swim bait setup? Like what's your reel? What's your rod? What are you, what are you going for? Um, back when I was in California, that's a pretty easy one. That was uh, the Phoenix 800H classic. Um, eight foot. It's rated 15 to 50. I think it's rated two to eight ounces, but it's just kind of a do everything blank, you know? Right. Um, It'll throw a two. I can call my personal best twelve pounds four ounces on it. Um, on the one I have with a Corrado three hundred and twenty pound fluoro. I've caught a bunch of hud fish. I've caught other hard bait fish on that thing. I've just I've caught tons of fish on it. Um, so, so what are you building yourself now that you have? You know. So now you, you build rods for shits and gigs now. Yeah. So now that I'm building my own stuff, it's um, and obviously my fish are totally different. I'm fishing a lot different. My fishing styles changed. I'm building a lot more moderate action rods. So I'm building a lot of stuff on the rain shadow blanks. They're, the action's a little more moderate because I'm a because I'm a meathead and I pull too damn hard. Um, I can vouch. 
It's true. I break things. So, uh, you know, a little more moderate rod. I'm fishing a lot of 200 size reels. Um, I'm kind of getting into shorter swim bait rods as well because the fishing around here is so dock oriented, um, target fishing. It's not open water casting so much. So fishing that shorter rod, that seven and a half foot rod, you know, helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you think that swim bait culture has changed? Yeah, a lot. I mean, (laughs) I have to agree. A few years ago, you could get whatever you wanted, and you can't anymore, pretty much. I mean, that's that's the best way to sum it up. It's become this trendy thing. You know, dudes collect stuff and hardly fish it. And the weird thing to me is, for some reason, swim bait fishing has come to this weird niche where people don't really – they go from weekend warrior to swim bait fishing, yeah. which to me is weird. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people that I grew up with, they were into it, but they fished conventional stuff for years. You know, they learned how to fish a jig or a worm or a crankbait, which plays into how you fish a swim bait. It plays into how you approach a lake in general and everything. And we got to learn how fish set up. Yeah, I mean, it's you got to learn how. I mean, it's learning the basics. You know, it's yeah. so it's it's a weird thing. I mean, and you know, the swim bait world has so many. We call them librarians because they have all this experience in quotations reading stuff online from people that know what they're doing. And then someone says, Hey, how do I do X? And some guy that's never done it, but he's read the reply a million times. Oh, you just do this. It's like, dude, you can't really say that because you haven't done it yourself. It's kind of a, yeah. No. Is it, is it any like gatekeeping by the old heads, you know, who started out with it? No, because they're all tired and they don't swim bait fish anymore. (laughs) In fact, a lot of the old swim bait guys I know are fly fishing now, ironically. (laughs) Mark Rogers, he works for, uh, he's been at Akuma for forever and a day. And that dude probably doesn't want to look at swim baits anymore. You know what he's doing right now? He's probably standing on a ladder at pyramid (laughs) fishing for cutthroat with a fly rod in his hand. That nice. guy doesn't want to. He doesn't want to know what a swim bait is anymore. So, yeah. okay, I can't. I can't blame him. Like the culture has gotten a lot more, um, and it's like anything. Like I think, I think as humans, we want to identify with something, and I think sometimes that maybe attracts the wrong type of person. Yeah. Right. When there's this like super hardcore identity. Yeah, that's and, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Well, it's like you were talking about with the uh, in the rod building episode, new money. Is it some some of that too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure, it's like these guys want to have this stuff, and whether they know how to use it or not is good, bad, or indifferent. But like, you know, they they have all this, they have money, they have they have time, they have this, they have that, but they want to have an identity, right? And money doesn't get you an identity. Yeah, I mean, I I'll never forget this. <clears throat> so. You know, around the time I graduated college and started working on tugboats, uh, there was a there was a forum that it was really popular. It's not as popular now. It's called Swimbait Underground, um, and I worked on tugboats. And I had a lot of free time sitting around waiting, standing by to stand by. And I'll never forget. Sounds like the army. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There was a guy that you know, if you go on any kind of forum, it would say like you know their username, maybe where they live, whatever. Like on the post, and you look at their information. And it would see how many posts they have. And this guy, I'll never forget, posts, I just caught my first swim bait fish. And he's been a member for a year and he's got 800 posts. What are you talking about for 800 posts? I hope you're asking questions. (laughs) Oh, he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. He was not asking questions. I can tell you about two of them were probably questions. Yeah. 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 Uh, So, so that brings us to, there's a lot of guys in the swim bait industry kind of you know they're they're 
buying into this to make money, right? Yeah, a lot of flipping going on. Um, yeah. There's dedicated pages to flipping. Um, yeah, there's they, one page called, I'm, I won't repeat it because I don't want to give it any business, but you go on there and those dudes get their hands on Piz stuff. You know, they'll go to a show and they'll camp out and they'll buy as many as they can and, uh, you know, they'll pay 200 bucks for a bait, which, you know, steep as is, but hey, whatever, it's a great handmade product. And then they'll raffle it off for $1,000. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, $50. $50 a head, multi, 20 people, yeah, 20 people, whatever. Um, totally common. Yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon. I don't, I don't agree with it. Right. Yeah. I think these baits need to get in the hands of people that are going to fish them. Now me personally, I'm not against throwing a $200 bait. I'm a little more cautious with a $200 <laughs> bait than I am with a $60 bait. Well, I mean, at some point it is kind of art. It is. You yeah. know what I mean? Because it's a lot of craftsmanship goes into it. But agree, I, I agree you shouldn't be hoarding it and then auctioning it back off because it's not your art. No, it's not. And it's it's a tool that should be used. For sure. It's just like, I mean, you know, there's, there's guys out there in the fly world that they make these, I mean, next level looking flies. It's not happening there that I know of. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not. Maybe if it was like Kelly Gallup or something yeah. <laughs> was, you know, a, a sex dungeon hand tied by Kelly Gallup, yeah. maybe at an auction to benefit somebody or something, but I haven't yeah, seen it that's, yet. That's different than, than a raffle. Though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know. I don't, I don't mind the benefit stuff where it yeah. goes yeah. for more than it's worth to benefit something. But um, I mean, flies are meant to be stuck in trees and fish. Yeah. <laughs> that was my last trip. Unfortunately, yeah. I think I lost more flies in that trip than I have in all other trips combined. So that's yeah. a whole other issue. That means you need to work on your casting. Well, if you're not in a tree, you're not fly fishing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> true story. I'll tell you what. There, that is the downside that people um, they all have an idea about fly fishing, mm-hmm. but. The retying when it's, yeah, you know, when you're really a fly fisherman, you're fishing in February, yeah, and, and it's you're snowing, free, you gotta break ice off the line, yeah, you're fishing in neoprenes, and yep. you gotta try and retie some oh like 3x fluoro or something, mm-hmm. something nope. ridiculous. <laughs> it's like that's the downside of fly fishing. So, on another controversial topic, because a lot of people love the raffles, right? They do. What do you think about it's the season? Uh, right, we're in bed fishing season, depending on where you're at in the country. Uh, what do you think about bed fishing with a swim bait? That's a real sore subject for me because you get so many dudes that are kind of buying into the identity that catch a bed fish. And they're like, oh, I caught my first swim bait. It's not a, and it's not a swim bait fish because if that same guy went out and caught the fish on a jig or a drop shot or whatever, insert any other, literally any other technique, they would not say that technique. They would just go, oh, I caught a bed fish. Yeah. But since they're going and catching a bed fish on a swim bait, it's a swim bait fish. And it's dumb. I mean, I've seen – you go on social media, search – go you know, go on Instagram, search hashtag swim bait, and there's dudes with, you know, a $300 swim bait and a two-pound bed fish. I could have taken – I could have wrapped one of my dog's turds in tinfoil and caught that same fish. Yeah, I mean, my, my whole issue with it is it's kind of trouble fishing a bed fish. Yeah. Um, is Is – harmful to the fish right because nine times out of ten they're not going to get you're going to snag it you're going to snag it right you're you're a mike along which is if you <laughs> if you watch any of the you don't know who mike along i've is. heard about that one yeah, yeah. Yep. so bad deal yeah bad deal yep. um so if you're in the swim bait world as soon as you post a catch to catch the 
you know, a cast a catch video of a bedfish, the first 10 comments are, Ooh, I see you, Mike Long. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to be associated with that. I also don't want to harm fish. I have, I have my own personal way that I don't share with anybody about how to catch bedfish. I learned it in California. I'll never tell a soul in North Carolina how to, how I catch bedfish because it is successful. It's safe. It like doesn't hurt the fish. It's with a harpoon. It is. Yeah. 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 Um, I put on my swim, uh, I put on my scuba gear. Hey, you want to go bed fishing soon? <laughs> I mean, I'll show you, but just don't tell anybody okay, else. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm not a bit, I'm not a fan of bed fishing period. Let them do their thing. There's other fish to catch. Not every fish in the lake is spawning at the exact same time, so let them do their thing, you know? I mean, if you want to mess with one, whatever, but at the same time, like, to me, the big thing just comes back to, like, hey, don't drag a six-inch swim bait with two, you know, one-on treble hooks on it past their face and get them to react, and, you know, maybe one hook goes in the mouth, the other goes through their eye or through their spine or something, and then you've just named this bed fish for no reason. Yeah, and they're trying to recreate, like, the next population of fish so it's it's just not good well as a as a rookie uh i always thought betting season was awesome you know from the bank you know what i'm saying but i've never i'm not using like swim baits but um and you're probably uh, not something being all that consider. successful. No, I'm not. not right. <laughs> no, it's it's yeah. it's the clout chasing with your, you know. Right. Cu- you see dudes with a custom rod and a reel with some crazy aftermarket handle and a $400 swim bait <laughs> on a two-pound bedfish. And it's like, once again, bro, I could have wrapped a dog turd in tinfoil and wacky yeah. rigged it on that bedfish and probably got it. Yep. Faster, too. <laughs> so, um, I think... You went to the gathering recently. It very well showcased the changes. <laughs> not the juggalos. <laughs> I mean, almost. You know what? I will say probably not far off based on how some of the interactions went there. Yeah, I mean, I think it very well showcased the the change in swim bait culture. Yeah, so um, I was there. I built some rods for uh, my friend Mario with OD Rat that we sold at his booth. Um, and the weather sucked. Um it was cold and rainy. I didn't worry about it. I got drunk the night before, so whatever. Fun times. Cooked cooked for everybody. And uh but there was there was a guy and his wife that brought their lawn chairs and they were in their uh, foul weather gear at midnight. First in line. <laughs> and yeah, uh just to just to buy lures. Just wow. to buy lures, just to buy some swim baits and uh and and the gathering's supposed to be like a a community gathering, yeah. like have a good time. Drink some beers, cook good food, little bitty, like, non-serious tournament. Yeah, so basically, you know, I was privileged and was helping set up and working a booth. And, you know, Wayne Campbell, the guy that runs it, was like, all right, go ahead. And there was, like, this massive cluster F of a stampede. And Wayne's a big dude with a big beard. Runs out, what are you doing? Here to get back. And, you know, forced everybody back because, you know, that couple that had been camped out since midnight in their foul weather here in, like, some pretty heavy rain, actually, almost got trampled because other people were, you know, running to the piss booth. Nothing gets piss. I love that guy. He's one of my good friends. But I'm just saying, like, people went stupid. You know I mean? It's almost like something you got to hand out tickets or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's insane. It's not what the culture is about and not what it was about. Um, I think it's gotten away from its roots. 
Yeah, and I mean, there hell, there was a dude. I don't care about talking about this because this is a shady dude, and this kind of stuff needs to be called out. There was a dude that was there that was he was claiming his wife had cancer, and he was buying baits that he'd go back and raffle them. But then he was buying baits for himself too. It was like, what are you even doing here? Yeah, yeah, no, that's weird. Weird. So that dude fell off. <laughs> yeah. That so guy I, got ran out of town. I think the swim bait world is going through a change. I think it'll come back to its roots, um, just because of you know it costs money to be in the swim bait game. I think at some point. Um, if we like disavow the raffle pages and just say, Hey, I'm willing to wait for one, right? I'm willing to wait for one at normal price to the bait builder. It will, you know, it'll kill that side of the industry. I feel like, but somebody getting into it, what would be your advice? Buy some off the shelf stuff. That's easy to get your hands on Buy buy a triple trout, Buy a bull shed, buy a shine glide, and I love the Arashi glide. It works. Um, you know, just from a, those are all under sixty dollars. Yeah. Start out with the basic stuff. You don't need to go out and buy the custom rod. You don't need to go buy the high end stuff. Just buy the basics. Yeah. Should get used to it, learn it, and then slowly and get into it a little bit more. Yeah. Figure out what you like, what you don't like. Um, buy HUD. A HUD's not terribly expensive. Um, you could also go, I always went with Dobbins for like, you know, relatively low end swim bait rods. They build a good one. Fury. Um, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, the I rods amazing for the money. Um, all around, you know, that just over a hundred dollar mark. Um, yeah. I, I will say the, the market for kind of quote unquote entry level tackle economy level tackle has actually gotten really good. There's a lot of really you know, 10 years ago, the $100 mark, and I think you'd agree with me on this, the $100 mark was garbage. I, started, I started with a champion, if that tells you anything. Yeah, well, I started swim bait fishing with a $300 rod. Yeah, and I mean, now, it because there was there was nothing else in the market, and if there was, it was garbage. Now there's actually some decent <laughs> stuff in the market that's around that $100, $100 mark, you know. So, one last thing. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mr. BBZ, Bill Samantle, going to – your Akuma boys, he went to Fish Lab. Yeah, I think it'll be a good deal. Um, you know, Bill Smetal has a he's a wealth of knowledge. He's caught a lot of giant fish. He's done a legit. You know, one thing I always appreciate about him was uh, when people were calling out Mike Long. Bill was in the background going, "You can uh, you can hit me with the um, the polygraph. My catches are legit. Don't care. You yeah. know, um, and that goes a long way. So. I think I think he's been in a place with Spro that is very uh, stagnant. So I feel like going to Fish Lab's gonna he's gonna have some ideas, and I think he's with a good team there. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mentioned earlier, Mark Rogers. That guy's been around swim baits forever. Great guy, and I think those two together promote some awesome stuff. Okay, so well, guys, any, yeah, anything uh, anything upcoming swim baits uh, that you know about? I think Curetex. Kurtek is uh, the latest, greatest. And then, um, you know, any, anything you know about what you want to do with swim bait, swim bait rods, give or take? No, nothing, nothing really. I mean, uh, you know, Whitney Kurtek, he's got some cool stuff coming out. He's got a new Shad Glide coming out and something he calls a Pig Thumper. It's a sweet little wake bait, crankbait rod. But, uh, you know, I think there's always just good stuff coming out of the market. Well, uh, thank you, Andrew, for joining us, uh, Othala Rod Works. Uh, we appreciate your expertise, Brandon, you also, and we thank you all for listening to Boats and Does Outdoors. See you later.